Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Bond with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Coming to you once again live right here from our studios in uh, sunny Central Florida, right here in Daytona Beach. Good to have everyone here with us today. If you're joining us for the very first time, this is the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies, which is a ministry of Raven Ministries International. If you want more ministry, uh, information on Raven Ministries International, you can actually go to our website at www.biggrace.com, www.biggrace.com, and get more information on what the ministry is all about. Uh, I can break it down to you pretty simple. It's about winning people to Jesus. It's not about being right. It's about being righteous. And we know that the only righteousness that we can have is faith in the shed blood of what Jesus Christ did upon the cross of Calvary. So when you go there, what you're going to find out is we're all about lifting up the name of the one who was lifted up for us. And so that's what we're here for. We teach the word to to direct people towards Christ Jesus. That way they will go out and direct more people towards Christ Jesus. So we're all about just getting people into his kingdom. Not through a religious system, but through a relational uh, system of knowing him and being known by him through faith in what Jesus Christ has done. So thank you so much for for joining us here on this, if you have any questions, I want to say this, I, 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 don't, I haven't had to say this in a while, but if you have any questions, hold those off in kind of your banter and your, your dialogue until the end of the hour. If you have questions about what we're teaching or questions on anything else pertaining to the Word of God, love to stick around and answer those questions uh, personally and uh, do that. But if you just hold those off until the top of the hour, that would sure help us and uh, keep down the distractions. And that way we don't have to boot you out of the room, not really. We only boot people that get kind of out of hand and vile. But we'll, we'll let you be there. But if you have questions, please stick around and we'll answer those questions. You can call me on the telephone. We'll post a number at the end of the program or whatever. Also, uh, don't forget, we are praying uh, from 5 to 6 a.m. Uh, that's Eastern Time. Uh, some are praying from 4 to 5 Central Time at different times that they join us live. Uh, but we're praying um, every single morning through uh, live in this format uh, in... Um, through Pentecost Sunday. And so if you have prayer requests, just something you want us to take before the Lord. We're just having a great time of prayer and consecration before the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have prayer requests, please send those to us. We want to stand in agreement with you on those. And that's pray at biggrace.com. P-R-A-Y at biggrace.com. And we want to just stand with you. Just believe in God for your miracle. We're, we're seeing God do some tremendous things and believe that there's a lot of other things that God wants to do and that He is doing. So please uh, email us your prayer request. If you have any other questions, you can send those to raven at biggrace.com, R-A-V-E-N at biggrace.com. Love to answer your questions as well. So thank you so much uh, for joining us today. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. Just ask for His blessing upon this, this teaching today that He'll just give us wisdom and understanding as we just look into His Word. And uh, we're going to pray for the sixth as well. We've got several that we've been standing in agreement with and just believe in God for a miracle for them. And if you have a, a prayer request, a healing prayer request, you can throw that up on the screen this morning as I'm praying and I'll look up periodically as we're praying. We'll believe God uh, for that one as well. Father, we just thank you today, Lord God, for your power and your presence and your majesty, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, not for just what you do, Lord God, but I praise you for who you are, Lord God. That, Father, you are the glory and the lifter of my head. You are my hope of salvation, Lord God. You are my peace that passes understanding, Lord God. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that it's who you are that I'm in. That I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. And so, Father, today, Lord God, I thank you, Lord God, that I'm, I'm, I'm changed and transformed 
because of who you are, Lord God, not because of who I am. That in, in spite, Lord God, of my failures and, and my wickedness, Lord God, and, 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 and the vileness, Lord God, of my life, that you came in and you, you became righteousness for me. You became uh, the ability to overcome for me, Lord God. And I thank you for that, Lord Jesus. And Father, we're just completely grateful, Lord God, for your love and for your mercy today. And Father, we just come to you today, Lord God, with this hearts of thanksgiving, Lord God, and humility. And Lord God, we need you. We are desperate, Lord God, for you and for your presence today, Lord Jesus. Father, you, you are so good, Lord God. You are, you are so merciful. But Lord God, we need you more speaking to our lives right now than we ever have, Lord God, at any point in our lives, Lord Jesus. We've got to have the mind of Christ. We've got to, to, to hear, Lord God, the, the clarity of that still small voice. And Father, I pray, Lord God, for myself and for my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord God. Father, let us be so in tune with the Spirit of God. Father, let us not believe the lie of the adversary. And Father, I pray, Lord God, for each one that we would have the mind of Christ. I come against every bit of deceit, every lying devil of hell, Lord God, that would come to, to, to send up smoke screens or divert us, Lord God, from your power and your presence. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you would bring conviction, Lord God, towards righteousness in every single one of our lives, Lord God. That, Father, there would be no darkness within us, Lord God. There, there would be no uh, compromise. There would be no fear, Lord God. There, there, there would be no uh, uh, unclean spirit, Lord God, that would find audience, Lord God, with us in the name of Jesus. Let us guard our hearts and our minds and our conversations and our attitudes, Lord God, by the blood of Jesus today, Lord God. And Father, we pray, Lord God, for those that are sick. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord God, for for Pastor George Moyle, Lord God, and just I, I'm believing God for a miracle, Lord God, for his rapid recovery from the stroke that he suffered, Lord God, a couple of days ago. I'm praying, Lord God, even his his, his mobility, Lord God, and sensations coming back, Lord God, that you would just cause it, Father, to be expedited because of the blood of Jesus. I declare that that George Moyle is healed because of what Jesus Christ has done, Lord God. Heal him, Lord God. Continue to do the work of restoration in his physical body, Lord God. That that the symptoms not, would not only be gone, but the root causes. That. I pray for Brother Scotty as well, Lord God, who suffered, Lord God, a similar, less, less serious uh, stroke, Lord God, just recently too. Touch him. Heal him, Lord God, from the top of these men's heads to the soles of their feet. Lord God, we need these warriors, Lord God, out in the harvest fields, Lord God. Don't let the adversary, Lord God, uh, 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 reap any joy, Lord God, from that. But bring, Lord God, great testimony of the power of God in that situation. Father, I pray for, for Dee, who suffered a, a heart attack, Lord God. And Father, I pray, Lord God, for a creative miracle, Lord God. If there be a blockage, open it up in the name of Jesus, Lord God. Father, I'm praying that you would do a spiritual bypass, Lord God, Father, in that heart right now in the name of Jesus. Father, for John Eric, this uh, uh, Sam, Pastor Sam's 20-month-year-old uh, uh, nephew, Lord God, it, it says they opened him up, Lord God, to remove this tumor, Lord God, and they said that there was these, these problems. They could not do it. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you can open him up, Lord God, by your spirit, because this young man, Lord God, is fearfully and wonderfully made, Lord God. You hold the blueprint to every system in his physical body. And I'm praying right now, Lord God, that you would cause those tumors, Lord God, to, to dry up and wither, Lord God, at the name of Jesus, Lord God. Touch this baby boy, Lord God. Touch him, Lord God. You said, suffer the, uh, the children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. And we bring this child, Lord God, to you and before you, Lord God, right now in the name of Jesus, that you would touch him, heal him, and restore him, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. And Father, any others, Lord God, that have been suffering, Lord God, any type of sickness and disease, we ask you to touch them, heal them, bring restoration, Lord God. Father, I, I just pray, Lord God, for our, our friends, our 
our family, our spouses, our husbands and wives, Lord God. Father, that you would touch them, Lord God, whatever malady, Lord God, that would afflict them. We declare, Lord God, upon the name and the power of the blood of Jesus, Lord God, that they have been healed and they're restored. Now, Father, bless this teaching today, Lord God. Father, open our eyes and our hearts, Lord God, to receive of you, Lord God, that which you would desire to feed us, Lord God, this spiritual food, Lord God. Father, we're not at Denny's, looking, Lord God, looking for a grand slam. Lord God, we've come to sit at the table of the Lord, Father, looking to get slammed by the Word of God, looking to get slammed and built up and empowered, Lord God, changed, challenged, and transformed, Lord God, because of, of what you've done in us, Lord God. So we come up, Lord God, and, and we're looking for a heaping uh, table full, Lord God, of the goodness and mercy and the bread of life, Lord Jesus. We know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Father, breathe upon us, Lord God, that Theonustos, that God-breathed word today, Lord God, invigorate us, enliven us, Lord God, regenerate us, Lord God, and challenge and transform us, Lord God. And we ask all these things in the name of Jesus, Lord God. Amen. Amen, amen, and amen. Anybody excited about God? Amen. I know I am, you know. I, I, I see Christians that aren't. You wonder if why, they, why they even got saved. You get saved to be depressed. Man, I got saved, amen, to impress. Put, impress the word of God upon the lost and dying, amen, and to, to rejoice and to be exceedingly glad because I know where my name is written today, amen. I know that the, the Lamb's book of life is going to be opened up because of my faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. And I don't have to be ashamed, amen. I can stand fast in the liberty in which He has given me and in the power of His promises. And so... Praise God, folks. Does that mean everything's always good and rosy? No, it means that I can rejoice through my trials. Amen? That I can rejoice in the midst of my tribulation. That, uh, that I can rejoice and be exceedingly glad, he said. He said, blessed are you when men should revile you and persecute you. Speak all manner of evil against you falsely. He said they, they persecuted the prophets who were for you. He said, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. He said, because great is your reward in heaven. And so, you know, when, when you start getting persecuted, people start, you ought to be doing the, the happy dance for Jesus, amen? Because I tell you what, there's something that God is laying up. We, we always want to cower away from opposition to those things. Man, that's when I rejoice. He said, woe to you when men should speak well of you. You hear me? That's when you need to worry when everybody's giving you accolades and, and everything's going s- smooth for you because you know you're not taking ground for the devil. You know, I want to always have my spiritual fist balled up and just punching my way through my circumstance. You know what I'm saying? And I've been talking about even as we get up and pray and all these things. You know, I, I'm a person that, that may get by with like four hours sleep a day anyhow. But when we're doing this and things are coming up, you know, now I've had to reduce that to about two and a half hours. But you know what it does for me? It causes me to, to, to have to crucify my flesh. It does. It has, it has to bring my unwilling uh, flesh into submission to a, a willing spirit and say, God, you're going to have to be my strength, Lord God, because I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to study your word. I, I, I don't care if I have to do it 24-7. I'm starting to know what Paul meant. In, in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, he said, pray without ceasing. Because I tell you what, when you start getting on that area and God begins to challenge you and says, listen, I want to bring you to a place in an hour of consecration. Uh, he'll, he'll begin to challenge you and press you beyond the limitations of your own ability. And so I want to be able to say, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives me uh, uh, strength. Not my posturepedic or my, uh, what's this thing that people are getting? I always hear people taking, what's it, Ambion or Ambien or something like that. Sleep aid. Folks, listen, I tell you what, you, you pray enough, you won't need a sleep aid, amen? You, you stay up and, and the night watches enough, when you lay your head down, amen, it'll be time to rest. And so we just need to rest in the Lord and really press through because this is a, a very critical time. And I believe God is looking for, for, for people that are willing to sell out completely to the cause of Christ. And I believe that is you today in Jesus' name. Folks, listen, I want to look today at, at four verses again this morning as we, we set out to close. Really, we're going to probably close out the 11th chapter of the book of Romans today. You know, we looked at... 
at three of these verses uh, during yesterday's class, and I want to kind of tie them together with the next verse uh, before moving forward to, to close out this, uh, this chapter. So we're going to look at Romans. I'm going to read Romans chapter 11, verses 29 through 32. Good to have this big class out here. Good to have everyone. Good to have Steve and Dan and Gene and Pastor Monzel and Robin and Pastor Don and Tony and Wanda and Ed and uh, Pastor Meredith with a big cross behind him. Everybody else. Good to have all you guys. Megan. Good to have all you guys. Mom and Dad and Pastor Terry and Eileen and Gene and Jen and I mentioned them. Lucy, always course, and my niece Dina there in, in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Good to have all you guys. And Man, I pray that God will just speak something to you here this morning through this. Also, here's what it says in Romans chapter 11, verses 29-32. He says, uh, For the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. We talked about that briefly yesterday, but I'm going to hit on that just a little bit more today. He says, For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet now have obtained mercy through their unbelief. Even so, these also now... uh, now not believe that through your mercy they might obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in, in unbelief that he might have mercy upon us all. Folks, like I said, I touched on verse 29 yesterday in regards to just how true it is that God will never let up in regards to, his, uh, to the pursuit of his will being done in our lives. He's, he's relentless, folks. Let's think about it. We, we, we have a, a, a God who created a, 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 a situation of perfection. He set Adam and Eve in the garden. He, he gave them complete dominion. Gave them all the, the abilities, gave them the wisdom, the understanding, gave them, gave them everything, and, and, and put them in that place. Temptation comes along, they rebel against him. And so what does God do? Does God say, well, that was a great idea, I think I'll scratch that and just stick with, with, with managing angels. No, he didn't do that. What did he do? He provided a provision. He, he began to, to do a work, and so it was a pursuit that God had. And so we see a few hundred years later that God calls out Abram from Ur of the Chaldees and, and makes a people out of him. We see later that Moses rises up as the deliverer of the law. We see that God raised up kings that would, uh, like David... Excuse me. That would bring forth the righteousness and the testimony of God. We see the prophets like Isaiah and Daniel and, and Zechariah and, 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 and various other Obadiah. And different, different prophets that came forth speaking the word of God in power. Then suddenly, you know, Jesus comes. And, and he, he, he is, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Is what John the Baptist said. But before that, the word tells us that, that he is the Lamb. It says the Revelation that was slain before the foundations of of the world. And so you can see God is so deliberate in his plan. God is is is, is there there's a relentless pursuit to accomplish the things that God desires to see and do in every single one of our lives. And so the process of seeing it through folks really may take many years to accomplish and there may be many casualties literally along the way that and there may be at times as it looks as though the, the outcome may be bleak, but God will never divert from his Plan. God is steady as he goes. We look at, uh, uh, at what is it, uh, Malachi chapter 3, that, that I am the God, the Lord God, I change not. That God has set a plan in motion, and God is carrying out those plans. Now, the circumstances and stuff to us may look different, but I tell you what, God has already seen the end from the beginning. That's why he's not only called just the Alpha, but he's the Omega. He's the beginning and the end, because he has seen everything in the now. Folks, we're always waiting for something to happen. God has already seen it happen. Do you hear what I'm saying? These increments of time are just something that, that we use to, to measure our space or place in eternity. But one time, one day, that's all going to come to an end. And we're going to see and be known like He is seen and known. He's going to reveal those things to us. And now we see through a glass darkly, but that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. And so I want to ask this question. Does that mean that you... Talking about the plan of God always, does that mean that you will always end up on the positive or satisfactory side of his plan? No, folks, it does not. Not at all. But God will see 
His plan through even when we personally reject our place within that plan. And you need to get that in your heart. Does that mean that, you know what, God's going to do it and so it's going to happen? You know, and we talked about this in the ninth chapter with, uh, with, with the teaching on Calvinism and predestination. You know, uh, uh, Calvinism teaches that, you know, some people are going to be saved and some people are not. And there's really nothing that you can do about it. I mean, you talk about the dreadful situation there that, you know, that a limited atonement, that Jesus didn't die for everybody, just for those that were eventually receive him. Where's the expectancy? Where's the, the faith in that? There's absolutely none. And so, you know, what that teaches is, and, and, and even uh, furthermore, in the, in the whole once saved, always saved mentality, well, I can do what I want to and whatever else, and I'm a part of that plan. It's gonna, I'm just going to be like somebody getting pushed down the river uh, into the reservoir of God's power and love. Folks, listen, that is a lie and that is deceitful. God's plan is going to see its way through. God is going to be glorified. Now, whether or not we get to be a part of the finality and the rejoicing of that plan is up to us walking in willful obedience obedience to that plan and standing upon the precepts that God has for us. And I was thinking of when Moses uh, had led the children of Israel uh, out of Egyptian captivity. And they were upon the, he was up on the mountain and he was receiving the, the, the tablets of the law. And, and it says because Moses delayed in coming down, it says that the people went to Aaron and they said, make us a God that we can follow. And you know the story. They begin, he called for the, their earrings and their bracelets and he made them a, a golden calf. Then it says in Exodus chapter 32, verses 9 and 10. And it says as, as he began to come down, he and Joshua, and it says they thought they heard the, the sound of war in the camp. But it wasn't a war, but it was a party. They were, they were rejoicing and dancing around this golden calf, paying homage to him. And it says that the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. He said, now for let me alone. And he said that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make a nation of you. What was he saying? He said, listen, they're stiff-necked. He said, they're walking in idolatry. He said, but you know what? I can wipe them out, and I'm going to continue my plan, and I'll continue it with you. Now, we know the, the rest of the story. Most of us probably do, but Moses pleaded with God for the people, and God relented from destroying them. But what it shows is that God would be willing to raise up seed through just Moses, if necessary, if that's what it took to see the gift and calling. Once again, there's that verse, that's verse 29. The gift and calling of God... Uh, 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 Seeing its way through in the, in the Jewish people coming to fruition in the plan that God had for them. So when it says that the gift of calling to God without repentance, folks, listen, I want to, oh, you need to put this down. It doesn't mean the over, it, it doesn't mean the overall plan of God being accomplished. Excuse me. Let me back up. When it says that the gift of calling of God without repentance, it means the overall plan of God will be accomplished and not that individuals or, or, or individual people uh, will be able to hold up God's directed by their spiritual insubordination. Let me say that all again because that's a lot. When it says that the gift and callings of God are without repentance, it, what it means is God's overall plan is going to be done. It doesn't mean that every single individual, whether they're obedient or disobedient, is somehow going to hold up the, the plan of God. That's not what it means at, at all. When he's telling this within the context of this, he's talking about he, he brought forth Israel. They rejected him. And in the midst of that, he raised up the people who weren't a people. Think about all this teaching we've done these hours on chapter 11. And so he's talking about the overall plan. And so I know a lot of times we'll, we'll extract 1129 and we'll tell somebody, maybe there's somebody that's backslidden or, or, or some preacher that's fell away. Or some, and we'll say, well, the, you know, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. While, while there's some applicability to that in our personal lives, folks, the, the context of that says God's overall plan. 
It says, regardless if you're a part of it or not, God's going to do what he said he's going to do. Regardless if you want to believe it, regardless if you go straight to hell in your own rebellion, God's still going to do what, what he wants to do. And so it, it says in, in Psalm, let me just give you some, some background on this. Psalm 75, verses 5 through 7. Remember what he said to Moses in, in verse 32, of, excuse me, verse uh, uh, 9 and 10 in uh, Exodus 32, he called them a stiff-necked people. Well, listen, he's going to repeat that in Psalm 75, 5 through 7. He says, lift not up your horn on high, speak not with a stiff neck. And so when he says, don't lift up your horn on high, you know what we use today in modern language? He said, you don't need to be tooting your own horn, okay? And so that's what he's saying. Don't lift your horn up on high. In other words, don't be so proudful and arrogant that you think that, that whether you do it or not, that it's not going to get done. And so that, that, that you can somehow circumvent the will of God and, and you can sit there like a, a child that stiffens up and ain't going to move. And so God can't move. Folks, listen, I am so let me use a southern term. I am so tickled to death that, that God allowed me to be a part of his plan. Listen, God, God in His grace and mercy allowed me to, and I am so utterly grateful to be a part of what God is doing. God did not have to choose me. God did not owe me any favors, but God in His mercy did. You know what? I am grateful. I am grateful for the times that I get to go through trials. I'm grateful for the hardships. I, I'm grateful for the times that, 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 that I'm wondering and I'm having to believe Him for, 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 for my provision. I'm, I'm grateful for those times because I know that all those things are going to lead me up to being a part of the plan of God, and He's working working the things out of me so I can be an effective minister within his plan. And so he says, lift not your horn up on high, speak not with a stiff neck. Then he says, promotion doesn't come from the east or from the west or from the south, but God is the judge and he puts down one and he sets up, for, uh, sets up another. In other words, folks, listen, if you don't want to do it, Get out of the way because God's going to use somebody else. If you think that you can be stiff-necked and rebellious and that the, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance and, and, and it's not going to go on and God's not going to raise somebody else, you are in for a, a big surprise on the day of judgment. Folks, what we've got to do is say, you know what? God has got a plan and I want to be a part of that. And if God in His mercy is willing to choose me to preach that word, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to preach that word. If God is calling me to sing that song, I'm going to sing that song. If He's calling me to speak to that child, I'm going to speak to that child. If he's calling me to feed that hungry person, I'm going to feed that hungry person. Why? Because I can't say, well, God's not going to change nations unless I do something. No, God's going to find somebody else. Uh, uh, God's uh, God's not going to hear any praise. No, he'll cause rocks and stones to cry out to praise his name if you're not willing to do it. He'll use somebody else. You can look at when he chose the twelve. He said, you know, I've chosen you, you 12, and one of you is the devil. What happened? Did he say, well, you know what? I guess there's only going to be 12, 12 uh, 11 stones in, in heaven with that name of the, on the 12. No, what does he do? He raised up somebody else. And folks, listen, we've got to get the mentality that says, God, I want to be found faithful. I don't want to be stiff-necked. I don't want to be prideful and lifting up my own horn on high and saying, I deserve this and I deserve that. But Lord God, listen, I want to humble myself in the sight of the living God. Know that you are the one seated upon a throne in glory. You're not scooting over for my rebellion. You're not changing your plan, Lord God, because of my opinion, Lord God. You're going to do exactly what you said you're going to do and you're going to accomplish those things, Lord God. And I just want to be grateful enough to be a part of it. So don't think, folks, that you can somehow back God into a corner. Remember what he said in verse 21. He said, for if God spared not the natural branches, take heed that he also not spare you. Do you hear me? Don't get so prideful and arrogant and say, listen, I'm just not going to do it and it's not going to get done. Folks, it's going to get done. 
You know, I, I know what God's told me to. I, I know what God called me to when I was just a, a young teenager. Now, I could have said no to that and entered into my rebellion and went straight to hell. And you know what God would have done? He would have raised somebody else up that would have said, Lord God, here I am, send me. Lord God, here I am, use me. Lord God, use me in that plan that you, you, you may have designed for somebody else, Lord God. You know what? God will do that in this hour. And so really, I want to challenge you. If God has spoken something to you, and maybe years past to do it, and you've made every excuse in the world. You've said, well, you know what? I've got to go back and bury my father. You know what? I've got to go back and, and mow the grass. I've got to go back and do this. You know, I've got to go back and do Now, I want you to think about that just for a second. Think about the excuses that we make in being obedient to God. God, I don't want to do that. That's just not within my personality. God, I don't want to do that. That's just not the, the thing that I feel called to. I don't feel comfortable in that. Okay, don't. Don't. But at the end of the day, don't say, God, why didn't you use me? Maybe God was saying, I want to use you and pull you out of that proverbial comfort zone and do something great with you. But because of your fear and doubt and unbelief, because you trusted more in your flesh than you trusted in the Spirit of God that desired to come upon you and fill you, listen, I moved on and, and I'm, I'm using somebody else to do that. Folks, don't find yourself caught in that disappointment and that destructive path of saying, listen, you know what? Gifts and callings of God are without repentance. One day He's going to do it. And, and all those promises? No, I've seen too many people in my lifetime that had a tremendous call upon their life, tremendous gift upon their life, that are doing absolutely nothing. You know, people, their, their sweet little granny or their loving aunt will say, you know what, I remember praying with them at 13 years old and God had a call and they were so sweet and telling people about Jesus. Now they're now 50 years old and they're, they're drinking and smoking all the time and cussing. And, but, you know, one day God's going to raise them up and be a powerful man of God. Maybe. Maybe not. More likely not. Because if they've hardened their heart for the last 35 years, chances of them rising up and saying, God, are pretty slim to none. Folks, listen. We need to seek the Lord while He may be found. We need to call upon Him while He is near. Because His Spirit and His presence will not always strive with men. And so, folks, it is the grace and mercy of God that allows us the undeserved, really totally undeserved privilege of being a part of His plan. And folks, He has extended to us the invitation, literally, to take a seat at His table and to be partakers of the heavenly gift and the heavenly calling. It's not, it's only through our, really, our faithful adherence and obedience to that invitation that we are able to keep our, our, our seat at the table of the Lord. And so there's, there's risen such an arrogance, even as He's talking about there in Psalm 75.5, an arrogance really, I'd say, probably in the last 30, day, 30 years of the church within the whole ranks of, of Christendom. And on one end, they become so liberal that they believe that they can say what they want to say. They can do what they want to do. They can have homosexuals in the church. All this type of debauchery and all these things. And that God will just have to like it. That God ought to just be grateful that they're there. That God ought to just love them. God ought to just tolerate the wickedness. And so they think that, they, they, that through their own deceit, they can somehow change the standard of righteousness and God will somehow just be grateful so that they would be a, a, a part of what He's doing. Folks, that is such abject arrogance. It's as though they feel like they're doing God a favor by living a life of complete debauchery and that since they're using His name on the church stationary, that He should be just grateful that, that they're allowing Him to be involved. That they're allowing Him to have a name on a sign or, or Jesus somewhere, or Christ or God somewhere. Folks, listen, God is, is not something sitting somewhere on some uh, celestial power trip waiting for you to acknowledge Him. He is the Lord God Almighty. He is God all by Himself. He, he neither needs us, but He desires to have fellowship with us because of His love. And if He's going to have it, it's going to be because of the mercy of God be extended into our lives. And so, folks, listen, and you can see it. It, it is arrogance, but God doesn't owe us anything. Everything 
that we receive from Him is from a position of a person in complete debt and destitution to Him. But the problem is there is no fear of God because God has been portrayed as some spiritual pushover who has no moral absolutes and evolves right along with the devilish desires of an unregenerate mankind. And so what it's like, it's like we've developed this type of welfare church mentality that we've developed an entitlement that declares, well, we deserve God's love. We deserve God's mercy. We deserve God's power. We deserve God's forgiveness. Folks, the only thing that we deserve is death, hell, and destruction and judgment uh, uh, apart from coming to a self-denying, holiness-producing relationship with Jesus Christ through the acceptance of literally His vicarious death upon the cross of Calvary. Folks, what we deserve is to be annihilated. What we deserve is to be punished for all eternity. But God, in His mercy, has opened up the doorway through the cross of Calvary to make us a part of His plan. But the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. God's going to do what He said He wanted to do. And if we will humble ourselves, deny ourselves, walk in holiness towards the Lord Jesus Christ, then we can be a part of that plan. And, and folks, you see it. And you know, when, when I mentioned like the, the, the liberal end of the church that uh, brings in uh, homosexuality and all these things, says, well, God, you're just going to have to like it as long as we sing the right hymns and choruses, and as long as we kind of have something that has the semblance. Folks, listen, that's what the Pharisees did. That's exactly what the Pharisees did. They had their own way. They thought they were going to do it. Certainly they, they maintained a, a, a type of, of, of obedience, but it was a form of godliness, but denied the power thereof. Folks, without the power of God to change and transform your life, you are walking in total deception and deceit. You are walking in, 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 a, in a religiosity and not a genuine relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that's going to promise you a part of His gift and calling. Even so much you think about in the church today. You talk about winning souls. You talk about evangelism. And so what they've done, they said, you know what? I know that, that the reason that Jesus came was to seek and to save the lost. Okay? I know that God loved the world so much that He sent His Son to win the lost. Okay? But, you know what? I think I'm going to do You know, that, that's kind of played out. That don't bring the money into the church. That certainly doesn't put me in a position of comfort. And so what I want to do is, uh, I think I'm going to pull back and I'm going to, I'm going to talk on prosperity. Or I'm going to talk on this. Or I'm going to talk on spiritual gifts. And I'm not going to actually go out and do anything. Folks, that's just as much rebellion as entering into homosexuality. Do you hear me? That's, that's, that's just as much rebellion. That is such a deviation from the truth. It's just more subtle. Do you hear me? Folks, listen, there is one plan that God has. That is to seek and to save the lost. And He has called us to go and to warn them to flee from the wrath to come. And if we're not doing that, what are we saying? Well, God, your gifts and your callings are without repentance. That's somebody else's job. No, that's our only job. And if you're not doing that, you might as well walk into all-out, wall-out rebellion because that is the plan of God. Uh, not, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom, but those that do the solitary will of God, which is that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We've got to come back to that place of obedience unto Him. And the only thing, that, once again, that we deserve is destruction, but God through His mercy has opened up. And you know, folks, I can say that, and it's not a popular teaching. You know, this certainly wouldn't sell for twenty nine ninety five on a TV program. It wouldn't sell a book. Because, it, it's, it, because what we want is to be needed. We want to feel like we're some type of indispensable person that our spiritual egos can be, be stroked and pacified. You know, I was in a bookstore talking about this. I went into a Christian bookstore this the other day. And um, I was walking in and, and I felt, literally, I felt dirty. 
If you can imagine, I went into a family Christian bookstore and felt defiled walking around in the place. I began to look at this mass marketing of Jesus. And I, I, you know what I felt like? I, I felt like walking in and kicking over all the stands and turning over the table. I felt like just totally spiritually vandalizing the place right there. Because I saw, let's, well, let's have a little figurine of Jesus. And let's put, you know, fifty nine ninety nine on it. And let's, have, let's have this little gold cross. And let's charge them for that. Really, I felt like I walked into the midst of the money changers in the, in the temple. You know, that he said, my, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. But you have made it a den of thieves. And so I began to walk around and look at all this overpriced merchandise that they were we're making merchandise of the gospel made in China and accelerating the prices and, 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 and filling their pockets. And so I thought to myself, I'm going to look around. So I saw on one shelf, it said, you know, uh, one, one preached seven ways to a more fruitful life. Then on the next shelf, another guy had eight ways. Then, then somebody had 21 ways. Then somebody had 30 ways. And so it was like, let me just do one up. Folks, there is only one way. There's only one way. Repent and believe the gospel. If I want to have a successful life, what am I going to do? I'm going to repent. I'm going to walk in righteousness. He said, if I seek first His kingdom and His, His righteousness and everything else will be added unto me. I don't need steps 6 through 10 or 6 through 30. I just need one. I'm taking a step and I'm, I'm, I'm taking up my cross and I'm following after Jesus and I'm walking into obedience to Him. But what we want to do is we think we can, we can, we can, we, we can be needed or we're indispensable and if I'm not doing it, I can just sit here and I can stick in my neck. That's exactly what he said to them in Exodus 32 and Psalms 75. And I can toot my own horn and lift it up. Folks, listen, you will get passed by in the plan of God. And so what this leads is to a people who are so wishy-washy, who shake their fists towards heaven when things don't happen the way that they want them to happen. And they forget that God is God and that his position is not up for election. Do you hear me? There are no mandatory term limits on the creator of all things. He can do what he wants. He can do it when he wants. He can use who he wants to accomplish those things. Folks, listen, we've got to come to that mentality. You know what? That's what I had to come to my life. I came to it many, praise God, it was, it was early on in my Christian walk, that, you know what, God's God. That He can do whatever He wants to, and I don't have an opinion, or I don't get to cast a deciding vote in God's plan. And so my choice is, I choose life, and that means that I'm with Christ, or I choose death, and that means that I'm under self-will. If the body of Christ, folks, really, would just start looking at the example of Israel, and, and really begin to see how they failed in their first opportunity to pave the way, really, for the coming Messiah. And as a result, they were cut off. And as a result of being cut off, they began, uh, the, the door was open to us, the Gentiles, and, uh, and they were brought to a place of jealousy. If we would look at that, we would learn much, in, in really, in regards to how we should conduct ourselves in, in regards to serving Jesus. Now think about this, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. He said, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Now, do you, do you like that part right there? We like to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. That way we can have this kumbaya thing and, well, God dwells inside of me and it's so sweet I have his presence. But, folks, listen, for him to dwell in you, that means that, that, that you're not your own. That he's not going to be some, some tenant in your apartment building of your life and you're just going to rent him a little bit of a room. What does he say? Listen, the only reason that your spirit is still in that body is because I allow it to stand there. That is my body. I have bought you with a price. What does he say? That's what he says in verse 20. For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are of God. So who does your body belong to? It belongs to God. Who does your spirit belong to? 
God. Who does your future belong to? It belongs to God. Who does your, uh, your circumstance belong to? It belongs to God. And so if all those things belong to God, why when things go contrary to your, your place and your opinion, do you find yourself shaking your fist at heaven, getting despondent, getting depressed and all these things? Folks, listen, you're either God's or you're not God's. And God is able to keep those things that we commit to Him. He that watches over you neither sleeps nor slumbers. And so are you really God? Are your thoughts being brought into captivity, into obedience unto Christ Jesus? Or are you allowing other things to exalt themselves and to, and to, and to, and to, and to, to move in and, and to have squatters rights on the temple of the Holy Spirit? Folks, if we come to that point that we acknowledge the Lordship of God and that God has got a plan and that through His mercy we can be a part of that, I tell you what, you'll begin to work, walk in such more victory. Your, your stress level is going to plunge to the basement. You're, you're, you're not going to find yourself always worrying and scurrying and trying to figure something out. What are you going to say? Listen, I belong to Him. That God's plan is irrevocable, and as long as I'm walking in submission and obedience to it, what can I do? Man, I can flow into it. The power of God's going to reign in my life, and I can see what God's doing. So God's gifts and callings, are, uh, and God's plan for the ages is without repentance. It's irrevocable, and it will be accomplished uh, uh, anyway. It will, whether it's through one or one million. Do you hear me? God's plan is going to be accomplished whether He accomplished it through one person or He accomplished it through a million people. And if we would adopt really that mentality, that mentality that whether I live or whether I die, that my life is the Lord's. Paul the Apostle said, listen, I'm going to straight betwixt two. I desire to, to be with you but to depart. He said, for me to live is Christ but to die is gain. In other words, really, whatever happens to me is, 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 is immaterial is in relationships to how I'm going to spend eternity. Why? Because I've submitted myself to Him. I've given myself over to His power. And so I want to, I want to just walk and, and follow after Him. I want to be obedient. I want to put my hand to the plow and not look back. I want to just allow God to flow and to move in my life. And so I, I, I'm just glad and rejoicing that, folks, that once again, that He's allowed me to be a, a part of His big plan. And I can follow uh, and flow within the promises and the gifts and the callings of God. The other end of the spectrum on that. We talked about kind of that liberal end that allows just immorality and everything. Else is those who want to command God by adopting some type of spiritual elitism that says that they control God by speaking His Word. And I heard this just the other day. Uh, a local uh, pastor's wife, she was on television talking. And she began to say, you know what? If I can say the words of God, then, then I can be like God. Then I can. Folks, listen, it's, it's a spiritual elitism. And it's basically that it says that she can be in control because she's taken his words and that she can speak to those things that are not as though they were. Folks, if you look at the context of that, you'll see that's not anybody but Jesus speaking to those things that are not as though they were. And so that is such an enormous fallacy that has been adopted. Really, what we call the word of faith, the prosperity movement, the prosperity gospel. But I've shared this, cha- uh, this chapter in the verse so many times in Galatians chapter 1. Verses 6 through 9. You know, we talk about it and we look at it now. But Paul the Apostle was confronting these things. He's confronting them just a, just a few decades after the, uh, Jesus Christ walked and, and, and preached the Word. He said, I marvel that you're so soon removed from Him that called you under the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not a gospel at all, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we... Or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, except that which we have preached unto you, let them be accursed. And he said, we said before, and I say again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you that, we, uh, that you have received, let them be accursed. Folks, any gospel that does not uh, demand that you deny yourself, your self-will, your, your, your own ambitions, everything, it's not a gospel at all. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is not one. I've said this here. You know, people say, well, God's got a wonderful plan for your life. No, God's got a wonderful plan for your death. 
Do you hear me? God wants us to die to self that we might live in Him. I got a, I got a uh, telephone call from a, a fellow yesterday uh, out, of, out of South Florida, as a matter of fact, that uh, uh, said, listen, I'm going to be in your area and I, and I want to come and get a group of about 50 to get people together. And I'm, I'm going to show you all this plan that, that I have and this, this technique that I have that can change, turn over Daytona, that you're going to see more people come to the Lord Jesus Christ than you ever have. He said, I spoke this, and he gave an example. He said, you know what, I was just out here in California, and I, I shared it with a uh, Hispanic church. And he said, one girl in the church went out, and in three hours, I don't think it's 90 minutes, he said, uh, led 23 people to Christ. In, in, in 90 minutes, led 23 people to Christ. You know, and I was thinking, well, maybe if she was talking to all at one time, and so I began to quiz him. I said, you know what, are you, are you using this? And I gave him examples. I mentioned the, that scripted thing. He said, no, 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 we don't use a script like that. We, what we do is we, we memorize. And so I, I began to ask him, are, are you calling people to repentance? Because unless they repent, and you know what, I was just going to let it slide, and I was just going to kind of ignore him and not call him back when he came to town or whatever else. But just something rose up inside of me. And I said, you know what, I see too much of that. I see this 90-minute presentation. Let's get 23 people or get these, these numbers. And you're not, you're not presenting the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because there's no conviction of sin. There's no transformation in their life. What you do is you give them this, this mealy mouth, pastel pink gospel, and you, you have them repeat this Christian mantra, and you make it all easy. You may use the right words, but there's no transformation in their heart because there's no conviction of sin. There's no desperation to cry out for them. And I've said this before. What you win them with is what you win them to. And so if I win them into easy believism, what, what they're going to walk into is just an easy believism. And the second they start suffering tribulation or persecution and trials, they're going to say, whoa, 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 that, that girl told me that everything's going to be great, that God's got a wonderful plan for my life, that I'm never going to have to go through anything, that, 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 that I don't have to really do anything because I'm, I'm perfect in Jesus Christ because of, of, of just what I said in, in the 30 second little prayer. Folks, listen, that is a lie straight from the pits of hell. And so, you know, our conversation kind of wrapped up rapidly. He said, well, maybe I'll just send you a link and you can look at stuff. And, and, you know, I know exactly what it's all about, folks. It is a wide gate that's designed to produce the multitude of numbers without the desire and the transformation of a heart towards the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you folks, but I don't want any of that. So God's plan is moving right along. His gifts and callings of God without repentance. And if we'll grab hold of the truth and we'll preach the gospel without compromise, without wavering, I tell you what, we can be a part of that. God's plan is God's plan. Do you hear me? God's plan is God's plan. And so before you ask the question and you say, well, what about Philippians 1.6? Well, what about Philippians 1.6? And some of y'all know what I'm talking about, Philippians 1.6. Being confident is the very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Christ Jesus. Now, we, we love that scripture too. We love to pray that over people. You know what? I know you're going through. I know you're, you're, you're living with that girl and having sex outside of marriage. I know you're on crack. I know you're, you're hooked on this or that. Listen, folks, we, we want to use that to kind of make us feel better about somebody else's sin or even our own sin. But I want you to look at the context of that real quick in regards to this whole concept of the gift and callings of God without repentance. Uh, Paul, it says in Philippians 1, 1 through 6, Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from our God and Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Here's the context. He says, always in prayer of mine for you, making requests with joy. And so I know what my context is. My context is now the context of a prayer that he is making towards the people. My, my prayer is always making a request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. 
To be confident of this thing that he that began a good work in you will perform it to the day of Christ Jesus. So, folks, listen, when he says that in Philippians 1, 6, that he who began a good work in you, it's, it's, it's not being said as the doctrinal position of an apostle who's been, uh, been sent to, to, to establish doctrinal truth, but rather as the prayer of a pastor who hopes for the best for a people and that he's invested in his life. And that's what it is. He's praying a hopeful prayer. He's not saying, okay, guys, I'm giving you a doctrine. You know what? You heard it. You're fine. You're going to heaven. And he's, he, he started it. He's going to complete it. Uh, you can do what you want to, but you're always going to... That's not what he's saying at all. He said, listen, as a pastor, he said, listen, here's my prayer. I'm praying and I'm making a request with joy. He that began a good work in you is going to be completed to the great Christ Jesus. Deb said it's a good prayer. It's a great prayer. It's a prayer we need to pray over our children, our families, our friends, and everything else. That God, please, do that good work. Don't cut them off. Don't cast them out. Do those things that, that God has, has, has put and directed in their life. So, I want to read those again. The gifts and callings of God without repentance. For as in times past you have not believed, but you now obtain mercy through their unbelief. In other words, they rejected Him. But what happened? God's plan kept on cruising. What happened? We got, we got saved through it. We got hope. Even so, have these not also believed that through your mercy, they've obtained mercy. In other words, because God uh, uh, extended His plan and He kept on rolling, they began to see, listen, whoa, God's not changing. That, that, that Even though we rejected the Messiah, the Messiah just found another people to call His own. He ex- uh, extended that. And more so than just us, them being the elect. They became His bride, and so it provoked them to jealousy. That's what He's saying right there in verse 31. And so because we obtained what mercy... That the mercy found its way back to them. For God hath concluded them in all unbelief that He might have mercy upon them all. And so what this does, it tells us that at the end of the day, that if you're a Jew, or if you're a Gentile, if you're something in between, that there is only one reason that you're included in the plan of God, and that you have any hope of salvation, period. It's not because you came from the right lineage, or kept the right laws. It's not because you joined the right church, or quoted the best scriptures. It's because of the mercy of God has come upon us all. Folks, listen. I am the product of mercy. I am the mercy that has come upon me and I receive mercy to be changed and transformed. The reason that I'm not walking in abject sin is because of mercy. The reason that I've been changed by the power of the blood of Jesus is because of mercy. The reason that I have a desire for the things of God and have a compassion for the lost is because of the mercy of God. Is it, it isn't because of my training. It's not because of my upbringing. It isn't because I had a sweet mama and daddy. It isn't because I, I lived in West Texas. It's none of those things. It's because of the mercy of God found me and because I said yes to the mercy of God. I said, God, thank you that you are good and that your mercy endures forever and that your mercy, if I will submit to it, will carry me along that promise of, 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 of Romans eleven twenty nine that your gifts and callings are without repentance. And so, God, if they are moving towards righteousness, if they are moving towards the fulfillment of your plan for the ages, Lord God, through mercy, I want to grab a hold of the gifts and callings of God. I want through the act of obedience, through a death to myself, Lord God, through a, 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 a righteous consecration to the things of God. I want to grab a hold of that which is headed, Lord God, on a beeline to glory and to salvation through Christ Jesus. And so, folks, that's what he does. And so, then he sums it up right there in verse 33 of Romans 11. He says, On the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Folks, you know what, the, what he says right there? Basically, what he said is this reveals that, the, that it's his mercy and his ways are totally, totally beyond the comprehension of natural man. Folks, I, I ask myself, let me just personalize it. Why did God choose me? You know, I, I remember as a rebellious teenager trying to do some things to convince God that he had made a horrible mistake. 
you know, fortunately, I didn't get into the drug scene and, and many of the other things. But I tell you what, my heart was deceitful and wicked above all things, and I, I did not know him. I, I knew that I was unregenerate. I was I was around a lot of religious people, and I could say a lot of religious things. But I knew if I died, I'd go straight to hell. I knew that, and, and, and I couldn't I couldn't understand or fathom why God would show me mercy, because I, I knew that in my heart that I was in opposition to Him. But God found me mercy, found mercy in me. So that is, it, it is, it was beyond my comprehension. God, why would you allow me to see this? Folks, every time I'm able to, to, to talk to somebody and see their heart pierced by the blood of Jesus, I'm, I'm so grateful. God, listen, you, you've given me the ability and the opportunity, Lord God, to play a part in seeing someone change, Lord God, not just for a moment, but for all eternity, Lord God. You, through your mercy, Lord God, I get to be a part, Lord God. I got to be a part of introducing them to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. God, that is your mercy, Lord God, because I know me without you, Lord God, that I would have no strength, Lord God. I would, I would be a bitter, unforgiving, uh, uh, lust-filled, prideful individual, Lord God, but because of your mercy, you came in, Lord God, and you invested in me your holiness and your righteousness, Lord God, and you imputed unto me, Lord God, your character, Lord Jesus. And so I'm grateful for that, that, that I do, but I can't fathom it. I can't understand. I think to myself, Lord God, there's so many more, Lord God, that are more gifted, that are more talented, Lord God, that look the part, that act the part, that, that have better credentials or a, 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 a better lineage, Lord God. But God, you chose, Lord God, me. And Lord, and folks, listen, I am grateful. I am grateful for it. For, folks, listen, we've got to have a grateful type of heart and spirit. Now, now think about this. Talk about just how, uh, just how the, it just, it supersedes or exceeds just the, the, the natural comprehension of man to understand how God's plan and how His mercy works. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. 1 Corinthians 12, 2 through 14. Excuse me, 2, 12 through 14. Chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. Now we have, uh, have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Folks, you know what the Spirit of God is for? It's so that we'll know, we'll know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but with the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Folks, apart from the Holy Spirit showing you, it, it, it's un, it's un, the mercy of God is totally unfathomable. Uh, unless you, get, you ask God to give you a revelation by the Spirit of God, it, 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 you, can, you cannot even compare it to anything in the natural. You can, you can try to compare it to being nice to somebody or going the extra mile, but in the scope of eternity, folks, there is no comparison whatsoever in regards to what God has done. They're, they're spiritually discerned. And so if you're going to get a gratefulness and just the audacity to believe, man, you're going to have to get it in the Spirit. You that have a, have a struggle in your, in your life, and what I mean by that is you find yourself maybe on a high one moment and a low the next and always struggling in your thought life or am I going to be encouraged or not? Folks, listen, I really pray today that the Spirit of God would come upon you in a mighty way because what you're doing is you find yourself digressing back into the natural man. The natural man is always swayed by circumstances. He's always swayed by what he sees rather than what God has said. And so when we get in the natural, we get in the flesh, we don't see God's plan being carried out. We don't see that. Why? Because we divert and we, we uh, excise ourselves from it. Folks, listen, you've got to get in the flow and the mindset of Christ Jesus that knows that he is the author and the finisher of your faith. And that he genuinely can cause all things to work together for the good of those who love 
him and are called according to his purpose. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so when I know that I'm lining up with his will and his purpose, it doesn't really matter what I'm going through in this moment. Why? Because all this stuff is just for a moment. And in, in an eon from now, I'll never remember these things that I get so worried and stressed over. I just need to learn to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I trust in him as my provision, as my healer, as my way maker, as my shield, as my buckler, and all those attributes that he brings into my life. Folks, you know what it does? Man, it just causes, there's the peace that passes understanding. It, 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 it just waylays our own comprehension and moves us into a realm. And you, then you're, you're joyful. And people say, well, how can you be so joyful? I know what you're going through circumstantially. Well, well, folks, listen, you get to go through it. You don't have to live in it. In this world, you're going to suffer tribulation. But do not fear. He's overcome the world. And so if I'm in Christ Jesus, what happens? I've also overcome the world. Not, not as a pipe dream, but by faith is the promises of God that are irrevocable and without repentance. First Corinthians one eighteen says the preaching of the cross is them that perish. It's foolishness, but the unnoticed which are saved, it's the power of God. Folks, because we witness so many times to people that are totally lost, you'll begin to talk spiritual things to them, and you're, it's like talking to a brick wall. They don't even discern those things. And so what you know is chance of them receiving those right then, you just gotta take it and you've got to just lay those things at their feet and believe God that, that one day it's going to come back to their, their remembrance. Because you begin to talk to people that have been conditioned by a religious liberal church. And they're standing out in front of a nightclub dressed like a prostitute. And they say that their daddy is a, a, a reverend. And you begin to preach righteousness to them. They don't even understand it. Because they'll say, well, I'm a Christian. But in the next breath they'll say, well, you don't, but you don't, you know, God, you can be a Buddha as long as you're sincere. And you can be a, 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 a Islamic as long as you're sincere. You can be this and that. There, there's no comprehension. Why? Because... They, they do not think like Jesus thinks. They do not have his mentality or his power operating their life. And so Romans chapter 11, verses 34 through 35, it says this. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has seen him uh, been his counselor or who has first given to him and it shall be recompensed unto him again? Who has known the mind of the Lord? In other words, who, who, who thinks that they can attain that? Who thinks that they can understand it? Who has, it been, who has been his counselor? And who, is first, who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him? That, that, that 35th verse actually is a quotation out of Job chapter 41.11. Job 41.11. It says, Who has prevented me that I should repay him? Uh, whatsoever is under the whole heaven is mine. And he was actually talking to Satan in the temptation, the rebellion. And so he's saying, listen, it's going to be recompensed back into him. And the fact of the matter is that you can either get the mind of God and follow after his precepts or not. And you think you can coast along for a while, but eventually, you know what? It's going to come upon you. Just as Satan, one day he's going to be bound and cast into the lake of fire and forever and ever and ever. Folks, listen, it's going to happen. Why? Because that's God's plan. Regardless of what you see, you can see that the, the numbers mounting on abortions and atrocities and, and Satan may be wringing his hands thinking that he, is, he has done something so great and, and, and feel like he's uh, doing something that he's uh, gratuitously been rewarded for. His, his time, the day of reckoning is coming. That's what, the, that's what that word is saying right there. Uh, if you know the mind of the Lord, you think that you got it figured out, you just wait, sit back and see. Do you think you're going to counsel God? Do you think you're going to say, well, if God is such and such, or if God is so loving, why are children starving in the Sudan if God is that? Folks, who are you that you're going to question the God? God, if, 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 if you're this and that, why am I having to go through this? Or why did my husband do this? Or why did my wife do that? Or why are my children acting this way? Or, or why don't I have this and that? Who are you that you're going to counsel God? 
That's exactly what Satan wanted to do. He wanted to ascend above the Most High. He thought he could do it better. But you know what there's going to be? There's going to be a recompense of that. There's going to be a, a, a day of reckoning that comes upon that. And so then it goes on to say in verse 36, For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. And so basically what he does is he wraps it up in verse 36. He says, listen, guys, in him we live and move and have our being. If you want to be in him and, and receive the benefits, praise God for it, and you, you, you'll be able to reap the, the benefits. If you don't, God's going to do what he's going to do anyway. He would prefer you to be a part of it. That's his desire. He's not willing that any should perish. But if you choose to walk in the way of rebellion, that God will, 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 will recompense you, and you'll see that as well. He said Romans, yeah, Romans 11, 34 through 36 is basically what he's saying right there. Folks, we're out of town, time today, but we're, uh, we're going to be back tomorrow, and we're going to start the 12th chapter of the book of Romans. Uh, are we making headway? What was this? Class number 163, I believe it was. It's 163rd hour. But uh, really, folks, what, what you really want, if I could just leave you with just this little thing, you know, allow and put your trust in God. Trust Him from your end, from your beginning, regardless of what you see. Know that God is watching over you, and He that watches over you neither sleeps nor slumbers. Remind you, we're going to be on live tonight from 8.30 until 10 with the Raven Nation live with some neat stuff and some great testimonies and prayer and everything else. Uh, then we're here uh, uh, seven days a week from 5 to 6 a.m. Eastern time for, for prayer and intercession. If you have prayer requests, send us to pray at, at, uh, pray at BigGrace.com. We love you all, folks. We've got one visit with Bible as we close out. Get into God's Word, and God's Word will get into you.